December 9th. And now as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, we begin our reading for the first time today in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. Let me uh, say a few words about uh, the book of Revelation. John was a Roman prisoner on the Isle of Patmos when uh, God gave him this revelation of Jesus Christ. The book reveals Jesus Christ, the priest-king, the judge of the churches, the creator, the redeemer, the lord of history, the conqueror, and the bridegroom. The key name for Christ in this book is the Lamb. John never lets you forget that Jesus died for the sins of the world. Now, another key word is throne. It's used over 40 times. The Revelation describes the conflict between the throne of the Lamb in heaven and the throne of Satan on earth. As John writes, he depicts worship in heaven and warfare on earth. And the Lord is the victor. Listen, no matter how dark the day or how strong the forces of evil, the Lamb of God wins the victory. The key verse is in chapter 1, verse 19. John is told to write, The things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. Revelation chapter 6 through 19 parallels Matthew 24 and Mark 13 in describing the day of the Lord, or the uh, tribulation. While good and godly people disagree on the details of interpreting John's numbers and symbols, most do agree that the last days will be marked by the increase of evil, the rise of a world government and world ruler, the attempt of Satan to destroy God's people, the pouring out of God's wrath on a rebellious world, and the return of Jesus Christ to deliver His own and establish His kingdom. As uh, you listen, don't get lost in the details, but uh, try to see the big picture. And keep in mind that John wrote this book to encourage believers who are going through persecution. Revelation is the climax of the Bible, the fulfillment of what God started in Genesis. And in chapter 1, we'll see that before John describes end-time events, he describes the Lord Jesus and reminds you and me of who He is and what He has done. According to verse 5, He is the faithful witness, the prophet, the firstborn from the dead, the priest, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. In other words, He's king. He's also the Savior who has made his people a kingdom of priests. Never forget that Jesus shed his blood for you and that his blood cleanses, redeems, and overcomes. Now, when John was in the upper room with Jesus, he, he leaned on Jesus' bosom. But when he saw the glorified Christ, he fell at his feet as a dead man. Like John, we must begin with worship if God's revelations in this book are uh, to have any meaning whatsoever to us. One day there shall be no more death, because Jesus has conquered death. When you know Him as Savior and Lord, you need not fear the future. He has the keys in His hand. And with that, let's begin our reading now in the New Testament in the book of Revelation. December 9th, Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him concerning the events that will happen soon. An angel was sent to God's servant John, so that John could share the revelation with God's other servants. John faithfully reported the word of God 
and the testimony of Jesus Christ, everything he saw. God blesses the one who reads this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to it and obey what it says. For the time is near when these things will happen. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, from the sevenfold Spirit before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the commander of all the rulers of the world. All praise to Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding His blood for us. He has made us His kingdom and His priests who serve before God His Father. Give to Him everlasting glory. He rules forever and ever. Amen. Look, He comes with the clouds of heaven, and everyone will see Him, even those who pierced Him. And all the nations of the earth will weep because of Him. Yes, Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. I am John, your brother. In Jesus we are partners in suffering, and in the kingdom and in patient endurance. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and speaking about Jesus. It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the Spirit. Suddenly, I heard a loud voice behind me, a voice that sounded like a trumpet blast. It said, Write down what you see, and send it to the seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the middle of the lampstands was the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were bright like flames of fire. His feet were as bright as bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was as bright as the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one who died. Look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen later. This is the meaning of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches.
There's a cause worth fighting for. Our families are worth fighting for. It's not easy. It's not easy to hold your family together. It's not easy to raise children in the times in which we live. Everything seems to be against the family and against the home. But when we decide that our families are a cause worth fighting for, God said, then I will fight for you. Fight for your family. Fight for your marriage. Don't give up on it. Fight for it. Fight for your wife. Fight for your husband. Fight for your sons and your daughters because Satan is on a rampage and he he wants to destroy the church, but he can't destroy the church without destroying the home. The story is told in the Northeast of a famous attorney who had an alcohol problem. He's very successful and on the way every day to his, to his law practice, he would walk on the streets of Chicago past a bar and he would slip in for a morning drink and then go on to his office and he did it every day. One day as he was walking, the snow was lightly falling. He heard a noise and turned around and he saw his little six-year-old boy. Somehow he had slipped away from his mother and slipped out of the house. And, and when he looked, the little boy was putting his little foot in the big footprint of his dad. The dad had left that footprint in the f- freshly fallen snow. And the little boy would put his little foot in the footprint of the big steps that his dad was taking. Suddenly, as he was standing outside the door of that bar and he looked back and saw that that boy was stepping in every one of his footsteps. And he was smitten with conviction and he ran and scooped the boy up and took him home and put him in the arms of his mother and ran downstairs. And he says he fell to his knees and he began to weep and cry. And he said, oh God, help me to never ever again allow my footsteps to lead my children to a bar but let my footsteps lead my children to you enjoy your family love your family because the enemy wants to do everything he can to divide and conquer and destroy. He wants to make your family miserable. He wants to make your marriage miserable. He wants to make your relationship with your children miserable. And we are not ignorant of his devices. It's costly commitment. It costs you something to hold your family together, to hold your marriage together, to hold your children together. Don't leave it up to the preacher to save your family. Don't leave it up to the youth director or the youth program or the church or somebody else. Don't even leave it to the mother, dad, to do your praying. But get your family. I love the words of Joshua when he said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to say to parents and people who are here, fight for your family. 
stay in their business and stay in their lives. And when you have to stand up and correct them, correct them. If, if, if it hinders and hurts and you have all kinds of stuff going on, stand for what's right. Fight for what's right. Stand on the truth. And you know what? They may go wild. They may get crazy. They may get mad. They may go off. But if you have raised them right, if you have raised them in the house, you don't have to be a perfect family. But if you've done your best to, to bring them to the house of God and to serve the Lord before them, and you've done your best to have God's presence in your home and in your life, there's something that gets on your family that they will never be ever, ever, ever be able to get away from. As a matter of fact, I just want to tell you, there's nothing more important than what you're doing right now. It's more important than a ball game. It's more important. We've lost that. See, we don't believe this old stuff anymore. But I'm going to tell you, beware of dangerous distractions that take you and your family away at critical times when the children need to be in the house of God. We're fighting for our families. Every time we get up and bring them to church. Every time we open the Bible and pray, we're fighting for our families from this day forward. I want to ask you a question. Where are your footprints leading? All that's going to matter when you are, are on your deathbed is, is where did my footprints lead them? If you're leading your children to Jesus, if you're leading them to serve him above all, prioritizing him above all, then you're leaving the greatest legacy any parent can ever leave. Psalm 128, verses 1 through 6. This song parallels Psalm 112 and reminds us of the blessings God sends when you fear the Lord and walk in obedience to His Word. God will bring you enjoyment in employment so that your work will be a blessing and not a curse. Your work will be a ministry for the Lord, and God will bless you at home, beginning at the heart of your home, your spouse, and touching everybody else around the table. Your home will be a fruitful garden not an ugly desert. The blessing will then spread to the city and the nation, and it will go from generation to generation. Psalm 128, verses 1 through 6, a song for the ascent to Jerusalem. How happy are those who fear the Lord, all who follow His ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How happy you will be. How rich your life. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine, flourishing within your home. And look at all those children. There they sit around your table, as vigorous and healthy as young olive trees. That is the Lord's reward for those who fear Him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. And may Israel have quietness and peace. Proverbs 29, verse 18. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law 
is happy 